Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the FIO podcast, the podcast where we break apart the stigma that everyone has it figured out but you. So let's figure it out together. What's up, everybody? Maddie Mad Dog Forberg here, and I know it's been a while. I'm so excited to be back talking with you today, and I'm honored to be in your ears and on your mind. For our comeback episode, I thought we should talk all things therapy. A close friend of mine has been interested in starting therapy and has had a lot of questions, doubts, confusion before starting, and my hope today is to provide you with enough information that will help you get started or it will help maybe help you understand a loved one's journey and at the very least answer some of the questions you may have had surrounding the subject. I do want to disclose that I am not a professional here and a lot of this episode comes from my around 13 years of experience with therapy and my research to prepare for this episode. Before we jump into things, I want to tell you about our first ever podcast sponsor, Merrick Health, who helped make this episode possible. Health is more than what we do in the gym and the food we eat. When trying to maximize our health and our efforts in the gym, we need to get below the surface and check out our labs. We learn so many lessons about our deeper health through blood work, regardless of how far you are on your health journey. I've created two panels through them, a full comprehensive panel and a lower price checkup panel with differences depending on your biological sex. Merrick gives you the option to receive guided lab results from a practitioner who can also prescribe based on any deficiencies. I encourage you to check them out. And if you do, I would love it if you could use my code STRONG. That code is STRONG as in S-T-R-O-N-G. And all the commission I make actually from my sponsors goes to my company's continued education fund. So thank you. All right, friends, let's get into it. I want to start off by answering the question, who should receive therapy? And I cannot emphasize this enough. Anyone can receive therapy at any point. If you feel like therapy would benefit you, do it. Immense pain and life-changing tragedy is not a prerequisite for getting help. Let me just say that one more time. Intense suffering is not a prerequisite to deserve help. You also don't need to be suffering from intense mental illness to deserve therapy. There are all different methodologies of therapy available. We often hear about it in the extremes for couples having marriage problems, coping with the death, dealing with depression, and so on. But you can seek therapy to help you feel more productive in your day, to be a better problem solver, to get more organized, to feel less socially awkward, to nurture a marriage or relationship instead of just you know kind of rescuing it. Therapists have specialties just like doctors do. So where do we start? Before you go typing the word therapy into Google, the first step here is to decide what you want out of therapy. You don't have to have it all figured out, but a general idea of what you hope to accomplish or what you're looking to work on. Are you struggling with your mental health and want help with coping strategies? Uh, Do you just want to get a better sense of well-being? Are you struggling with your sexual identity and need to speak with somebody who specializes in this field? Did you suffer a loss? Do you need help with your relationship? You see where I'm going with this. To seek out a therapist, we need to at least establish some form of why so that when you're looking through therapist and therapy options, you can decipher who is the better fit. Currently, because of the pandemic, there is a rise in remote therapy sessions. Uh, This is where you meet with a therapist through an online platform and do something like a Zoom call. There are also a lot of companies that offer, excuse me, remote therapy modalities that I will also get into. But before all that, I do want to strongly recommend doing therapy in person. I know this is a scary thought. It's very vulnerable to sit and be vulnerable, um, talk deeply about something so important, and it matters that you feel like you're in a safe environment with no distractions. I think virtual therapy sessions are still very beneficial, but I think initially trying to do in-person sessions will be most helpful. 
there are three great websites I like to recommend when looking for a therapist. Again, this is our first step. Where do we find them? Those websites are Psychology Today, ZocDoc, and Good Therapy. And I will link those in the show notes below. These websites are fairly similar, but I am going to speak specifically on the experience you can expect when using Psychology Today, only because I have personally used this one. So when you go onto Psychology Today, you can put in your details, what you're looking for, and even your insurance info. You can also use filters for the issue specialization and even gender if you have a preference. After putting that information in, it will give you a list of therapists that match your needs. You can click on them one by one and it will provide you with information about them, the issues they work with, the types of therapy they use, accepted payment plans, contact information, and so on. Essentially, their bio. Some therapists use use what is called a sliding scale. A sliding scale is payment adjusted based on the individual's income. So if you do not have insurance, searching for providers who utilize a sliding scale may be your best bet to keep things more affordable. If you have insurance through your employment, make sure you talk to your HR representative about your options and if mental health services are covered. There are a variety of online companies for therapy if you are interested in going that route. Some of the most popular ones you've probably heard before are BetterHelp, Talkspace, Cerebral, and Amwell. Each platform is a little different in what they offer as well as their pricing. Most of these companies offer virtual therapy sessions where you can join a therapy session from the comfort of your home. Some of these websites also offer things like text message therapy or phone call therapy. And this can be a really good option for those of you who might be interested in therapy but feel very nervous about having that kind of face-to-face interaction. When researching for this episode, it appears that Talkspace has been really favored amongst people um, and therapists. I do want to mention, though, that there have been some not great articles out about some of these online companies, um, about how you know some of them overwork and underpay their therapists, giving them huge loads of clients to work with. Um, again, I encourage you to do your research here. I personally have had a good experience with online therapy, but I do feel like that is mainly because I have had in-person therapy and I knew what to expect. Um, from online platforms, I personally, I've used BetterHelp and I've also used ADHD online with good success. I liked them. These online companies might be good for you if you don't want to be in person or even if the therapists in your area are not currently accepting new clients. Now that we've talked a bit about how to find a therapist, let's talk about what to expect in your first session and some questions that would be helpful to ask. When starting, it's good to ask like biz basics first. What insurance providers do they accept? Do they utilize sliding scale? What is their availability like so that you can book routine sessions? What is their cancellation policy? What is the cost per session? It's also good at this time to ask what their qualifications are, although you might have seen that on, you know, Psychology Today if you utilize that website. Um, You can also ask what they specialize in and how much experience they have in treating concerns like yours. So maybe if you're coming to them with a very specific issue, feel free to ask them, you know, have you worked with this much? What has that experience been like for you? And so on. Beyond that, there are some other important questions for you to ask to feel more comfortable and on the same page with your therapist. This one in particular is a pretty big one. And I I would ask if they are religious and how this affects their approach to therapy. I think this is important to ask so that you aren't feeling uncomfortable with differing or opposing views later on if religion is mentioned um, as a solution to something later on. I would also ask what their philosophy or their approach to therapy is. 
There are so many different approaches in therapy and it can be helpful to hear what their approach is. Don't be afraid to ask questions if you don't understand terminology, uh, but there are some things that you will often hear and I will talk about them now. You will often hear about CBT, DBT, or sometimes even MBCT. CBT refers to cognitive behavioral therapy. This one is probably the most popular approach, and speaking generally, it focuses on how our thoughts, behaviors, and patterns affect our life and how we might evolve when improving those things. DBT is dialectical behavioral therapy. This is a form of CBT that is often used for more long-term issues. This is based on using mindfulness skills to regulate emotions, tolerate distress, and improve relationships. Then there's MBCT, Mindful-Based Cognitive Therapy. This is based around mindfulness of our thoughts and behaviors. And a good way of thinking about MBCT is kind of how meditation is often explained. You know, when you're meditating, you're really trying to create awareness of your thoughts. You're not trying to create different strategies to deal with them, but more so, you know, just trying to be present, build awareness and acceptance. There are a lot of different therapy modalities, but these are a few you may hear in response to that question. You may hear a different answer, and again, don't be afraid to ask them to explain, because that will only help your experience. I have used CBT and DBT a lot in my therapy experience, but a lot of these things can be combined. As we move forward, there's probably going to be you know, even more different modalities uh, for therapy. Another good question is to ask how they set counseling goals, and how do they indicate success in therapy? It makes a difference to know that we're reaching our goals and having good outcomes in therapy. You know, just like with weight training or meat prep, it helps to have insight on where we're headed and how we're doing along the way. Again, these things are not bad to ask. After these questions, it might help to ask some more clarifying questions on what you can expect in these sessions. Here are some other good questions to ask. How often do you meet with clients and what do you recommend? Do you always meet in person or do you meet online as well? How long will therapy generally last? You know, months, weeks, years? And ask, what can I expect in a session? With this last question, I want to elaborate on my, my end of what you can expect from your first therapy session, from walking in, digging in, and walking out. For an in-person session, you can sometimes expect a receptionist working there when you walk through the door, or it might just be the therapist. They might have some paperwork for you to fill out before you begin. So sometimes I, you know, I think I would like to get there a little bit early, um, especially for your first session because of that paperwork might take some of, some of your time. When you get into the room, you will start with introductions and they will ask you what, you know, really brought you in today. This question is an invitation to explain your situation, what you're struggling with, what you're feeling. And at that time, you can divulge as much or as little information as you feel comfortable with. I have personally seen a few different therapists and I often just give a brief overview like I'm here today because I'm really struggling. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder amongst other things when I was really young. I've been doing okay for a while and recently my coping mechanisms aren't working. I'm just having a really hard time and I think I need some help. You don't have to lay out your entire life story or every little detail of what you're struggling with at that time, but giving kind of a brief overview of why you're in there and what you're looking for might be helpful. After that, your therapist, your therapist will probably have some leading or clarifying questions to better understand what you are looking for out of there and to get a better picture of you and your current struggles. Your therapist might also take notes during the session, uh, really to just help them remember certain aspects, things they may need to circle back to, or things they just want to make sure they include in a treatment plan. Some therapists don't take notes at all. I wouldn't let this overwhelm you because you know this isn't a test. They're not writing down anything bad. And if this makes you anxious, you can also ask them what they are writing down. 
In media, we often see therapy depicted as a person lying on a couch while a therapist sits and asks, how do you feel about that? You will not be lying down in therapy. At least I've never lied down in therapy. None of my friends have. Uh, But most of the time, you will likely be seated. I have been in therapy sessions where the therapist had fidget tools and space for people who needed to move and fidget while they speak. I'm somebody that likes to pace around, and if I you know, felt like I needed to while we were talking about something, you can always ask, can I move around while I'm speaking right now? The things you say in therapy are confidential. <clears throat> this means that they will not be shared. Uh, they will not be sharing what you're speaking about. However, they can share some information if they feel that you're a threat to others or in danger of hurting yourself. You know, there's a difference between saying, my boyfriend is so annoying, I just want to smack him, and my boyfriend is so annoying, I'm currently plotting his murder. This is obviously an exaggeration, but I just want to clarify that for the most part, what you say is confidential. Your therapist wants this to be a space where you feel open and safe. Your therapist should be very clear about these rules with you, and they might even have some paperwork for you to sign about this just to clarify that you know the expectations. One thing I want you to keep in mind is to treat finding a therapist like dating. You do not need to stick with the first therapist you meet. You can try five, 10, 100 different therapists. I have had about 15 different therapists in my life so far, and I find it really important that this individual is somebody you vibe with, someone you connect with and feel comfortable speaking to. This isn't somebody that you should feel judged or criticized by. You should feel like you're being listened to in this session. Again, Take your time finding therapists. Don't feel like the first person that you you meet with has to be the one. You can try multiple, you know, see different people. Again, we're dating. This needs to be a good fit for you to feel comfortable to, you know, work on these very vulnerable issues. I also want to note what happens after therapy. Your first therapy session may not be super enlightening, even if you choose to stick with that therapist. The first session will probably be more about gathering information about you, answering the questions you have, And as you move forward on your therapy journey, some sessions will be really tough. They'll be emotionally draining. On the days that I have therapy, I try to make sure that I don't have anything super taxing afterwards. I also try to make sure that I have some time to myself immediately after, even if I'm just kind of sitting in my car. One thing that I wish I knew when I started therapy, I wish I took the time to journal about the experience Uh, and things that seemed really significant at that time. Just because, you know, as you go about your week, it's really easy to forget what you may have learned or what felt important. I just want to reiterate that you may feel really drained after therapy. When I posted about doing this episode, some people responded that they've had a therapy hangover afterwards where they just felt really just drained. Therapy was incredibly helpful for me. When I first started, I did it out of obligation because my mom put it put me in it as a kid. At that time, I was really just telling therapists what they wanted to hear. You know, all the right answers. I'm doing great. Nothing's really bothering me. I just, you know, get upset sometimes, yada, yada. When I finally realized that they weren't just reporting to my mom, it wasn't a report card, you know, these weren't tests, I started to open up and discuss what was really troubling me. Because, you know, what you learn in therapy needs to transcend the the session. None of this works unless you put it into practice and allow it to make a difference. Therapy only works if we work with it. If you're listening to this because you're interested in taking your first step into therapy, I am so, so proud of you. This choice is courageous. Change is really, really hard and facing your demons is scary. But we can't do it all by ourselves. 
I'm wishing you all so much luck on your journey, and I hope this episode helped answer your questions and address maybe some of your fears about this topic. Please, please reach out if you need help or had additional questions. I know this is a bit of a brief episode, but our first one back, I just wanted to talk about something really important to me. I am so glad to be back on FIO. Thank you for tuning in. Be kind, stay alive, and I'll see you guys next time.